Hi, I'm Trenton Stander. Hi, I'm Tim Brown. And, and this is the Open Heart Cast. Testing. One, two, three. So, this is episode, I think, 26 of the Open Heart Cast, or 27. Who gives a fuck? I can't keep track anymore. <laughs> and we here with... Gareth Wilkinson, my friend. How are you doing, brother? All right, and yourself, Jensen. Thank you for having me, man. It's good to have you on the show, brother. We've been speaking about it for a while, and uh, last week I got in touch with you, and uh, we decided to uh, just get together and and get it done, man. Yeah, man. Why not? Why not? If not, why not? Why not? Life short. (laughs) It's been uh, it's been a while since we. We've been hanging out, you know. Uh, the last time I saw you was what, two years ago at Brooklyn. No, in between I came to visit Jack and you were there. Ah, oh, that's right. Yeah, right. yeah, I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's still been a while since yeah, the last time. At least a year. Yeah, at least. This COVID thing's just made things a little bit, little bit difficult to see. You know, Dude, COVID, likes. I, COVID's over. Mm. It's made life, the through life upside down for everybody, but it's over now, it's done. Yeah, yeah. It's done. It's, it's, uh, people were seeing through what it is and how it was used and exploited and it's done, it's over. Yeah. And the human race is one because the immune system yes. was stronger than what, yes. what we could develop as human beings. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, there's, there's still, there's still caution to be taken for people who do have l- low uh, immunity yes, and, and things like that. And old people and, and just being responsible and so on. But for, I think for most healthy individuals, you stand a pretty good chance to say that. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, besides all of that, let's talk about some of your projects that you got going on at the moment because I'm really excited to see them. Yeah, man, so I took a bit of hiatus from the, from the, the industry. Yeah. I switched off everything and finally settled in a place where I can, I can, well, I can call home and, uh, make peace in my home and, and now I'm ready to get back. So I've got a sword going. Um, I've got, uh, an integral Damascus Bowie going and I've got a integral hunter, full tank hunter going, three knives at the same time. Just in case I get bored with one of them, I could switch it over to something else. And um, yeah, man, all orders for clients. Been blessed, been very blessed with that. So yeah, man, just that's just beautiful. Go, just push it. It's so good, man. It's it's always good when a maker goes to see another maker, and you get to have a look at his shop, and you get to look at how he works, and and especially when you get to work with another dude who's been making knives under the instruction of a master. It's a very interesting thing because you get insight into into how they work yeah you know like you and i were just talking about the other day you know how much we extol the virtues of henning wilkinson and jack Conan because of being our mentors and being men who've taught us and uh it's a it's a different thing to know somebody just on a sort of average level, but when you work with them, you really get to know the person, you know? Yeah, man, I think it's a, it's, it's, it's first a beautiful of all, it's thing. A, it's an absolute, absolute privilege it to is. get taught by those guys. Because Absolutely. They, 
if you listen to what I'm, I've always believed in, I'll have a conversation with a guy, and when I see that he knows more than I do, I shut my mouth and start to listen. Yeah. Because that's something where you learn a lot. You take it in and you put it into practice. 100%. And, that, and that's, and, and taking in knowledge from people like that, it, it speeds up your career. It saves you school fees. Mm. It does. It definitely does. does. But you gotta listen. You gotta take those yeah. words. You gotta, and and sometimes starting from the bottom. Well, I mean, if 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 you go and look at any place to go where you go and work, I've had a million jobs in my life. So I just I just uh, I was really good at winning it. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And um, you always gotta start from the bottom mm. because it's, and I said it to you twice this this, this weekend and something that's resonated with me. I heard a podcast the other day. Jordan Peter said this, says, anytime you start something, you are a fool because you have no clue what's going on. You will make a fool of yourself. And um, if you persist at it, you just, you just get better at it. Yeah. the story. The commitment. Yes. So, I, I believe in that too. And it's... It's definitely true, but I will say that for a lot of my life, I've been neglecting that truth, you know? And, uh, well, that's how I feel sometimes, you know? Sometimes I feel like I've been neglecting that, that fact that, uh, that you should take charge of your life and that you should do the right things and do the responsible things and, um, I'm kind of getting a little bit off track, but yeah, it is a great privilege to work under those men. Yeah, it really, it, is. It really is a great privilege. Um, Jack has taught me so much, literally from the time that I started with him to where I'm at now. I mean, it was two and a half years ago that I I worked with Jack for like two and a half years, I think it was. And um, in that time, my knowledge from knowing basically nothing went from, you know, zero to way further up the arch because of having somebody who could tell you where you were going wrong and save you the trouble to some extent. Well, that's, that's one aspect of yeah. it. The other aspect is I asked Steve Schwarzer the one day, came to visit South Africa, came to visit him, and I asked him, we were sitting in the middle of nowhere, sunset, on the on the plots, it was just so peaceful. And I said to him, Steve, what is it? What does it take to get to your position in in in, in the knife making world or anything in, in, for that matter? And he just said to me, time on the tools, man. Time the book. You 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 get told do this, this, and this. You don't take it and practice it and work it out. It just doesn't happen. Man. Yeah. So yeah. it's a combination of the things that. <clears throat> Being in the knifing, what I've been, I made my first knife four years ago. Yeah. And another awesome thing is that I lived like 800 meters from Henning's house. Yeah. So I could literally pull in there. And he's my cousin too. But he only, he's only my cousin when we bra. Yeah. When we work, I'm happy. So it's, yeah. yeah, so, yeah. So. <laughs> Same story. Yeah. yeah dude. And uh, that's what I'm saying. When you work with somebody, you get to know a person. Mm. 
and you get to understand each other's bullshit and you get to understand each other's limitations and expectations and and it's a beautiful thing to be able to work with a master it really is Mm. because you you see these things like jack is very purposeful in every single movement that he makes yes purposeful it's not sloppy it's motivated by a level of perfection that is far out superior to mine. Like the, like when he makes a knife to him, it's like, yeah, okay. It came out good, but you know, I still want to be like the next guy. You know, he was talking to me the other day and he was saying that, you know, he still wants to, wants to get better, you know, he wants to, and I'm like, dude, yeah, I, I get it, but you've made it. No, you didn't, I, I didn't think so, I can't agree with you. I, I, dude, look, I in, in, you uh, ever uh, make it, man. what I'm saying is that you've most certainly put out a body of, of evidence to say that you're a good maker. I'm not saying you're the best, I'm not saying you've made it necessarily, that's a bad choice of words. But you put out a body of product that is reliable, strong, built with knowledge and extreme accuracy and precision and beauty as well. Okay, what are you doing when you're making a knife? You're building a functional piece of art. You're chasing perfection. Mm. And is there any human being on this planet that's perfect? No. So you're always chasing perfection no matter what yes. level you get to. Yes. It doesn't yes. matter. Yes, yes. So and that's and that's the thing that that I started doing is this thing called um, I watched a video on it and it was extremely helpful to me because I'm very much judgmental of my own work. I, I can't stand it if something goes wrong, and it and it looks shit. I can't sell it. No, I can't sell it, and and I and I feel terrible that I fucked it up. And uh, so there's this thing that's like okay, so it may not be. Like, but if it's if you can look at something that you make, or anything for that matter, that you handle or whatever it is, you can say, is it seventy percent good? Right? Is it seventy percent good enough? You know, to pass my standards of what I can achieve at this point. I want to grow, but is it something that I can sell? I know the knives that I'm selling right now are going to be far in superior to the knives I'm going to be making in 20 years. Mm. You know, for sure. But uh, that's only if I keep growing. You know? Yeah, you got it, man. you got to just... If you want to talk percentages, this is the only percentage that makes sense to me <clears throat> that somebody's told me from... One of, so one of these guys that we're talking about, one of these salted veterans, said to me... 99% of your selling price is made in the last 1% of your finishing. So <coughs> 1% that you go over every time. Yeah. And it's literally that last 1%. That last 10 minutes of hand sending me, you're like, ah, it's okay. You go like this. And you put your brother back, your brain tells you, no, do that last 10, 10, yeah. 10 minutes. That is what makes yes. quality knife. And that's yes. what... I, I was I was instructed two things when I started learning to make knives. Is well, not instructed, told two things. You're only as good as the last knife you made. And once a knife's out there, it's forever there. 
So you sell a knife to a customer. That customer shows 60 people. Those 60 people, first impression of you is your knife. Yes. So if it's a substandard thing, they see you at a show and they go, okay. I've seen his knives, no need to really know who that is. Yeah. So that's a that, that's how I see it mm. to keep chasing it. I agree. To be better. I agree. I agree. And I can say that look, I've made a lot of fuck ups, broken a lot of knives, like any knife maker has. Yes. But at the same time, each knife that I have made, I haven't put out a great quantity of knives, but I've put out enough that were perfect by my standards at the time. Yeah. Yeah, if that makes sense. They're not perfect. That's not what I'm saying. But they were, they were, each knife got progressively better. Do you and still own the first knife you made? Yes. Yeah. 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 Now I will never get rid of that thing. It looks like shit. It doesn't work though. It does. So use it. It does. It's a, uh, it was a file, man. I didn't have anything. I didn't have any equipment. I didn't have anything to make a knife. But I, I, I hadn't even been to Niels yet. And then uh, I watched a video on this guy making a knife out of a file on YouTube. And so I was like, well, fuck, I can do that. So took the file. I don't know if it's, it's – it's not – I didn't have to heat treat it because it was really hard. So I just grounded with a bench grounder and uh, <clears throat> put an edge on it. And put, put slap some leather handles on it, and it's done. The pins don't go all the way through to the other side. It's a facade. It's they're not pinned together. <laughs> I couldn't get them through the holes with the leather, so it's a facade. But it's a uh, it looks it looks <clears throat> alright for a first attempt. That's where you started. Yeah? Mm. That's where I started. And, and that uh, last chef's knife that you made, that same one off, that was a very nice knife. Thank you. It was extremely nice. Thank you. So you, you, you're going places. As long as you're going somewhere, don't stagnate anywhere. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. And anything in your life. Yeah. Talking to, to, talking to everyone now. Yes, On the yes. podcast, Mark. On the Just podcast. Ever one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad to have you on the show, dude. We've really been wanting to do this for a while, and it's now come, and I'm so amped. Yeah, man. I'm so amped to be talking to you. Yeah. South African boykey. South African boykeys, hey? Yeah. It's it's great, man. And we put that. Uh, yes, we worked like mine workers today, man. It's like it, man. It it's was like a gra- gravel floor. Yeah. Gravel floor. We had to go and pick up what? How, how much did we pick up? Three loads. But it was three loads of gravel. One point four tons. One point four tons, and we had to unload all of that with shovels into the uh, smithy area. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, man, I haven't worked like that in a while, man. That that kind of physical work is something different. Your core feels it, man. Yeah, your back and your core and your legs and everything. I felt like a, a cerebral palsy patient coming out of there. Right? <laughs> when I was in London, I worked as, as my first job was on construction sites as a general work. Yeah, I can see you on a construction site. Right? Yeah, so I followed chippies around, carpenters, <laughs> chippies there. And as that oak literally makes all us, you pick it up off the carpet because the office blocks are almost, almost done. Jeepers. So <laughs> that's how they work there. Like overstaffed completely. It's the opposite yeah. of Africa, man. Yeah. And uh, one guy's doing nine guys' job. Yeah. 
the side foreman calls me one day says, hey, I've got a job for you. He's like, cool, man. He says, when you're done with this job, you can go. I was like, that's awesome. And this guy said I must dig a one meter deep by one meter wide by two meter long trench. And he said, just be careful, there's a power line at the bottom. Ooh. So I was like, okay. I put the spade into this trench and it was those round river rocks. Yeah. That's like just mixed in. So it made digging like ridiculous. And oh, the power cable was a power cable and it was literally in the middle. So it was like around and under. Was it, was it like? <laughs> yeah. Whoa. But it was that big. Good luck. You just be careful. So it, I thought a two hour dig was, it took me two days. <laughs> Jeepers. Jeepers. Yeah, that, that that kind of physical work is something different. These guys who can shovel dirt the whole day and just, and just that's another kind of strength, bro. Endurance. It was built up. It's that stamina that's been built up yeah. over years. It's like anything. Oh, it's like that ice bucket test that we did. That was pretty cool. Trenton, you didn't pussy out. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for saying it publicly this time. So I was so bleak. When that 10-minute timer went off in an ice bin, it was, we've got a, what, is, what size is that bin? It's like a 45-gallon, so, yeah. yeah. And it's a bit more than 45-gallons, yeah. But you, you, we filled it up with water and ice. I got in the first time. I think you had worse off, though, because that water was already very, very cold when I got out. Yeah from all the ice that you had dumped in on me. That's why when you said, no, it's all right, bro, you can only put one, don't just put one bag in. I was like, motherfucker, you're taking two bags. You bitched a whole bunch of water on my head and you took a whole bunch of ice and just kept pouring it in and I'm trying to stay in this zen and calm my body down and uh, yeah, because you're just pouring cut loads of water. You did well. That is oh. that, that ice bucket puts you in the present and it's so good for your body, slows down your heart rate. It's good for you, man. It's so good for you, but it's so uncomfortable, man. It's, it's like my my brother said to me, I said, um, you have really good days. I, I said to him, I have really good days when I ice bucket. He says, yes, because nothing nothing that happens to him today can get worse. Yes. <laughs> but, so, but, but I also think it's more than that because when you are in – that cold, cold water, your mind has, you have to grab control of your mind and your body so that you can stay calm under those conditions. And if, and that is extremely stressful to the body, your body's going into shock. And so you controlling that with your mind, when you under severe, severe cold, that's severe pressure, yep. right? And then after that, the rest of your day, you're a champion, bro. But it also it, it creates a, what can you say? It, it, it pushes your body to the point where you have to engage your brain in a certain way. Otherwise, you're not going to make it. Yes, 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 yes. Because if you start shivering uncontrollably, you, you don't feel great. Yeah. You, you feel terrible. When you got in, you started. You were in about five minutes, you started shaking. I said, yeah. just breathe it out. Yeah. Your body just slowed down. Like yeah. 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 I checked in the UFC. Israel and Israel Adesanya just sat there. Like, other oaks were shaking and freaking out. And that oaks was just breathing. Just sitting there, dead quiet. 
Yeah. And I was like, that's a goal. I've got to, I've got to figure out how to do that. That's crazy, dude. And I pretty much sat dead quietly today. You did. But it's because I've been exposing myself to it. You did, yeah. yeah. I I liked, I, I noticed what you did when I got in, and I really appreciated that, is that you didn't, you didn't really talk too much. You just let me, you let me get on with it. Yeah. And that was very helpful. Like, yeah, because you don't, I mean, there's like standing there talking, you, you, you know, trying to listen to yes. you, and you're taking away from what yes. you're actually trying to accomplish. Yes, yes, yes. That's what I really appreciated. In that, in that moment, unless you guys have done it, you don't really understand where your mind goes. A lot of people have a tendency to, to want to steer clear of difficult things. Because they're uncomfortable. I think that's a human condition. It is. It is. And it's not It's not anybody's fault. But doing difficult things makes other things seem less difficult. Yeah, you've got to challenge yourself. You've got to challenge, challenge yourself. That's it. And learn something new every day. Yes. I think that's what a lot of people are struggling with. The fact that this discomfort is there. It's like when you first start jumping, you don't feel good, bro. You, you hate it. It's, uh, you're like, oh my gosh, you know, I could be doing, I could, I could be sleeping later, you know, or I could be <laughs> snuggling this pillow for a few more minutes. But when you do get up on time and when you do go in gym, you, you just have a better day. You just have a better day. The, the days that I don't do that are the days that suck. Pretty much, yeah. I hate those days because the whole day is a downer because I disappointed myself in terms of not getting up, doing the shit that I do. In the mornings, I have a routine now. I wake up at uh, 10 to 6, okay? And I go do my fucking push-ups and stuff or my, my daily workout schedule. Go and do 10 minutes of meditating outside, right? Then I read a book for 10 minutes. After that, and I sit down with a cup of coffee. Right? And then I have to get ready for the day. Get my shit ready in the workshop. And that's my morning routine. And then at 9 o'clock, on the, on the dots, I start work. Nine. Nine. And then I work through all the way till 6. And that's it. Yeah, I'll have a fucking smoke in between, you know. But you, you lucky, man. Yeah. You got no one that bothers you the whole day. No Well, yeah, I, I stay with my parents. I mean, uh, that's they do bother me from time to time. And then my dad comes looking for a screwdriver, and it needs to be a specific type. I'm like, these are the screwdrivers, okay? Nothing I can do. I'm making another screwdriver. <laughs> like, like, these are the ones we got. Work with. Like, but my dad's a champion. I love that dude. He's, he's a good dude. You can get that lighter. That that uh, episode that we did with Alex Norton, what did you think of that, bro? Can I be briefly honest? Yes. I did not listen to it. Mm. 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 I'll take that to the heart. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies. No, that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. But dude, if I can recommend, give it a, give it a listen when you oh, got a cool. shot. Yeah. It's a uh, he's a fascinating dude. He's a really really cool guy. I met him uh, the first time I met him was uh, 
48 hour Dagobult. Okay. And uh, Niels had this hangout for all the guys for their updates and all that cuck. And um, I met him there. And great dude. He's He's got the podcast, The Forgecast. Okay, yes. Yeah, so that's his, his podcast with uh, with Sam Towns as a okay. co-host. Or they're both co-hosts, I suppose. But, um, yeah, dude. That guy, he's an interesting dude. Very well-educated man, man. Okay. Very well-educated man. Yeah, when, when uh, was it just before Steve Schwarz was here two years ago, um, Henning had like eight Aussie guys here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. And, uh, yeah, I enjoyed every single one of those guys as well. Those dudes are awesome, man. Those dudes are awesome. Aussies and South Africans generally get on, in my opinion. Yeah, pretty much. It's very surrounding cricket. Yeah. It's about it. It's a similar kind of culture to a South African. The South African culture and the Australian culture obviously are different, but they're similar people. Yeah. You know? They, they um, I don't know. They're interesting cats. I like the Australians. Uh, the, uh, the Australian guys are like South African guys in a, in a hardy way as well. Yes, They're yes. Very hardy. Very hardy people. Yeah, yeah. 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 You get those, those old, hardcore Australians out living in the bush, bro. And they are hectic. Right? They're like hardcore. And then top end bites them and the top end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, weird. Those guys are hectic. Did you ever watch that movie, Wolf, Wolf's Creek? No. Damn, dude. It's about this guy in the Australian outback. This, these group of teenagers go riding out into the outback and they get stuck. And this guy comes to help them. It turns out he's a serial killer and he poisons their water. Okay. And he murders the whole lot of them, bro. Oh, and then the guy at the end, who's innocent, gets blamed for these girls' brutal murders in the bush. And he was innocent all along. It's a true story. She was. Fuck, it is wild. I went, the other day, I just came across a, a a bunch of documentaries on YouTube about Charles Manson and Ted Bundy. And there's some crazy people. The Ted Bundy man. tapes, man. Jeez. You go through that. There's stuff, some man. nuts stuff, man. There's some damaged individuals out there and some evil motherfuckers out there. Yes. Damn, dude. So, yeah, on that depressing note. Yeah. <laughs> on that depressing note, I don't know where to go from there, man. I mean, I, I, just, I just think of these dudes. I need to hug a husky that was so depressing. Yeah, <laughs> hug a husky. <laughs> that is a comforting thing, isn't it? Is Hugging cool. a husky. You're, you're two beautiful huskies. Yeah. My kids, man. They, they're great, man. They're awesome dogs. Both great huskies. Dogs. Yeah. Yeah, man. So, my, my, my property is where people come to find peace, man. Yeah. People and animals and whoever. I felt very easy walking into your yeah, property. I, I, I can get a vibe about a place very quickly. Yeah. And when I walked in here, it just felt like happiness, man. Yeah. Just relaxed. Just chill. Because I believe with this whole... COVID thing back to that is you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Oh, yeah, I know. No one does. And I mean, I remember when I was a kid and every adult I spoke to or listened to their conversation were talking about the long-term investments and all this type yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah. 
And yes, it is the responsible thing to do and to have it and stuff, but but what happens when the next market crashes? Yes. I mean, World War Three is on us. It is upon us, man. Yeah. Vladimir Putin is the number two Hitler. Well, I hope not. I, I really hope not, but it's not looking good. Yeah. It's not looking good. So... But I, I don't know. Did you know that? Because I took comfort in the fact, because I was like, I said, hey, nuclear war could happen. Yeah. So I, so I went and had just a squizzle about this. Like, mm. And we are 8,000 miles from Russia. The furthest they can shoot a nuke is 3,000 miles or something like that. Okay. So the first explosions and stuff won't touch it. Yeah. But it depends on how severe the war is. The fallout might get it right down. Yes, 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 yes. That's the thing. That's the thing. I don't know. I really hope it doesn't get to that point. But there's fuck all I can do about it at this point. That's my attitude, bro. It's a bit of a stick-your-head-in-the-sand attitude. But that's the way I deal with life, bro. I don't give a fuck what's going on. As long as it doesn't affect my life, don't give a fuck. I'll deal with it when when it affects my life. Media is, is designed to depress you, man. Yeah. It is designed to do that to you. I don't... Uh, I don't pay too much attention to the news unless it's seriously necessary. During COVID, I did because of the speeches and whatnot, just learning what what we can now do and what we can't now do. Yeah, but, and even that for me, I mean, discussing it every day around the dinner table, eventually I I said to my parents, listen, please, stop now. Can't be talking about this no more, man. This This is too much. You know, you start to go a bit crazy in, 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 in the house when you're under lockdown like that, man. It, I was right, man. I don't know. It affected me, man. The first After lockdown, a while, it really started to affect me. That first lockdown, I lived on a plot myself, yeah. Kim, the two boys, and I grafted, she grafted from home, and it was just bliss, it was bliss man, because there was no outside interference. I didn't, I didn't have to go anywhere. I didn't. Yeah. Nothing, man. Leave the house once a week to go buy groceries and come back and be at home again. Just, so for me, COVID was not terrible. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. rough, man. There's a lot of dudes who've come out smiling on the other side. Yeah. They've come out smiling because they realized that they were not living a happy life. And when they were back at home, they were happier. I think folks yeah. were forced to, yeah. to reflect on yes. whether, what, what their home life was yes. quality at all. Yes, yes. And a lot of people decided to fix their families yeah. and prioritize their families get healthy. And, and get healthy. And it was a good time for a lot of people. And it gave them time to reflect, mm-hmm. you know, because when you're in this rat race and just move, move, move all the time, fucking go, 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 go. You've got no fucking time to think. And that's what they rely on. Keep you busy. Keep you fucking hooked on video games and TikTok and YouTube and fucking all this shit. It's good to have a little bit of that. I'm not saying it's bad. What did Tyler Durden say? I don't know. We're running around trying to make money to buy shit we don't need. Yes. 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 That's true. Yeah. And, and the end of these speeches just comes down to the fact we're all going to return to the dirt, man. One day we're all going to die. That's Every it. single one of us. Your grave's going to look exactly like one. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing, man. It's, you know, you don't want to look at life as if, like, 
nothing has any value and nothing has any meaning because you're all going to die. There's people who look at life that way and I'm like, oh, it's a bit bleaker. But you've got to realize that your time here is limited and it can either be a good time or it can be a shit time. And it's up to you. That's the thing about life is that things can happen to you that are bad and shouldn't have maybe happened. But like, you just can't fucking make this life worth living. And find a way to do that. You can do it. Everybody has been through hardship and difficulty. Nobody's had it easy. Right? Some people have had it easier. I do believe that. Everybody's got an issue. Everybody's got a problem, man. Everybody's got a problem. You got more money, you got more money, you got money problems. That's what Mark Manson talks about in his book. Even if you got money, you got money problems. Money related problems. Yeah. Yeah. That could be anywhere from, you know, buying expensive hookers to buying expensive alcohol and becoming an alcoholic or whatever the fuck it is. Everything has a pro and a con. Well, you get those guys that get a bit of bucks and they lose it and they do whatever they can. doesn't matter what, to keep that money going. Yeah. Poor decisions, man. Yes. There's these rich motherfuckers out there that just don't stop wanting to make more money. Well, that's what and it is. And that's really. fine. I mean, it's, you can't say to somebody, oh, you're not allowed to do that. But that that's fine. But it's just a, it's a weird thing. These guys are so motivated. To, they're really, like, worth billions. And they're still, I don't I want more. But I it's want come, more money. That's the thing about expectations. Because if you walk into a McDonald's, you expect to be served fast food in an unfriendly way and just go. But if you walk into a restaurant, a five-star sure a la carte, whatever you call it, sure, yeah. sure. you expect to be your napkin to put on your lap. Yes, sure. And so if you are making money and you expect money to come in, you will always do that. You yes. Always, it's, it's just a thing of expectations. Yeah. That's how I see it, man. It is true. It is true. What are your thoughts on like, you know, uh, a lot of people have this like sort of, thing about like positive thinking and I believe positive thinking is a good thing but I don't think that the more you think positively about yourself that things will just come to you I don't buy that sort of theory I don't know man I just I, I see it as a as a mindset mm. so if you say positive stuff mm-hmm I mean, even the Bible says it, your words are swords. Mm. So if you say positive stuff and you, if you hang around with six millionaires for long enough, you'll become the seventh. Mm. So whatever you are yes. are taking in and putting out is where you go. My, my dad was a lot old. I was born when he was 42. So, and he said something to me. He said, you are in a position in your life, each and every single one of us, because of the choices that you and you alone have made. Hmm. because we are molded to a certain degree of growing up, but we are all exposed to the world. I, I see life as a, like, making life. You go and, first of all, the first thing you do is you go and get yourself a 1095 blank. Hmm. And those 1095 blanks are all sitting in the shelf that look exactly the same. All got the purple painted tip and yeah. exactly the same thing. Then you are put into a fire and smashed with a hammer. That's life. Mm. And it sucks. It's not like a 
it hurts, it goes. You got to and you, and you got to keep on going. You don't have a choice. You just mm. got to keep on going. You're in this process now. There's no ways of stopping. Mm. And you get shaped into a completely different thing and a unique thing. Because myself as a, as a, as a bladesmith, I can never make the same blade twice. It's impossible. You cannot make an identical knife. Mm. Unless you see and see it, cool. But you cannot make an identical knife. So mm. you get molded into a specific form. Some look like you. A bunch of bowies and a bunch of hunters. And mm. Mm. That's, that's how the world is. And... Then you think it's all good, and then you get your back shoved against the 36 grit belt for two hours. Mm. And it's tough. And you keep on going. And then you get hand sand. And then all of a sudden, after the hand sanding, the, the, the pressure's relieved, and you're looking like something completely new and shiny. Yeah. It's amazing. It's a beautiful yeah, transformation. Yes. And when that starts happening, myself as a blacksmith, I'm more motivated to go and put the handle on it. Yes. Yes. As you go through those yes. steps. You can't sit there and wish that the hand sanding would get done so you can get a handle. <coughs> yeah. It's not going to work. Not going to happen. No one's coming to rescue. Yeah. You've got to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And um, everything gets put together. And at the end of the day, it was a long, I wouldn't say difficult, but a, a lot of friction, yes. a lot of fire. It was a long process. But at the end of the day, you are a unique thing that, that nothing else looks like it. Yes. And I, that, that's how I equate life to Bladesworth. Yes. So yeah, that's, my, that's my opinion on that, man. It's, it's, a, it's a good way of, like, just getting that momentum going. Like if you can just design a knife, get inspired by your own design of a knife that you want to progress with and make better and you design it not even you don't even have to fucking design it these guys out there don't even fucking design their knives they have got it in their head and they just fucking make it through. i can't do that um, i can't do that either uh, i learned neil said fucking draw your design draw so that's what i've done and um and my drawings got way better but anyway you get excited about the drawing you get the materials together and you like, look what you got, what handle materials you buy in, you know, and you get yeah. excited about it and you start planning everything. And then, you know, the, the, the initial putting together of a knife is the rough stage, you know, and getting everything sorted out, getting the handle sorted out, getting the pommel or whatever the fuck it is and you know, getting all that shit sorted, get you, getting your blade forged out, or stock removed, whatever you're doing, and getting it heat treated, getting it fucking tempered, grinding it, all that cuck, hand sanding it. But once you put that thing together and you start seeing it slowly come together, that's the most magical moment for me. It's very rewarding. It's very rewarding. I think Stuart Smith said that knife making is extremely rewarding, but a really good way to be disappointing yourself at the same time. Yes. Because, yeah, sometimes, man. Call it the fucking bucket. Throw stuff just in the Yeah. Yeah. I was having a tough time. I couldn't get a knife out. Eh? I was having like, I don't know, there was a block and I phoned him. <coughs> and he said to me, just go take one of the knives that, that's, that's not working and go and take a pallet, turn it into a throwing knife and throw it at this pallet until your arm falls off. Yeah. And I did that. It worked, man. Yeah. At least all that nonsense. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. This is what I can do. And I did. Yeah. yeah. It does help. 
Yeah. Okay. Really nice for people crop stuff in the whole time. They hold off the back. No, just carry everything in the other. It's no good for you. It's no good for you. You can't hold on to shit like that. It's just not good for anybody. So you were saying now that earlier that uh, you've been making knives for four years. Yeah. Now in now in what time in that that time frame? When did you start working with um, Hannah? From the beginning. From the beginning. From the beginning. So I used to I used to I lived in the middle of nowhere in the farmlands in Pumalanga, and um, I moved back to the side. Now I hunted bushbeak as a hobby. Okay. So literally every weekend recreational bushbeak hunting. And I had a, I couldn't remember the name of the thing, it was just a little stainless steel knife that I found in one of the drawers and I thought this could be my hunting knife. And I checked, and I hadn't seen anything for, I don't know, four years. And I walked in and he was busy with the knives. <clears throat> I said, geez, like, that'd be awesome. Can I make, or can we organize that I make a hunting knife? Yeah. He said, Joe, as long as you make it, you can come make it, chat. And it took me through the process step by step, and the bugger bit me, and I just stopped making knives. That's amazing. Yeah. That's a great story. It's pretty cool. That's a very fucking cool <laughs> yeah. story. So, yeah, so, needless to say, I hung out at Henry's house for the next two years, every day, pretty much. Wow. Yeah, as much as I could. What a privilege. Mm. What a privilege. More of a blessing, man. Yeah. How do you move... Across provinces, 140 k's, and end up 800 meters from your cousin's house. Yeah, that that's that does seem just by uh, chance. It wasn't like we were like, oh, it's on the place. It was just places available. Yeah, no, it's good. Um, he's a he's a really nice dude, and he's uh, he's a wealth of knowledge. I. Uh, I haven't been to your shop, man. I've been wanting to go to your shop for a while. And he said I must come over because I also wanted to get him on the podcast as well because yeah. what a what a beautiful guest to have. Um, great dude. I met him the first time, the first time I went with uh, Niels to the Brooklyn Live Show. And I met uh, Henning Wilkinson. And I was like, damn. The guy, that, the the fact that this man is giving me the time of day, that's that's pretty cool. Jensen, when you get to his house, you guys can tip to tip, and you can tell him that. Yeah. <laughs> tip to tip. I was what? like, no, you and him can stand tip to tip, and you can ah. tell him that. Then look while looking into his eyes. Wow, wow. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't know. He always calls me an ugly bastard. He's he like, calls ugly everyone an ugly bastard. I think he does as well. Yeah, yeah ugly bastards. I think he, I think he said uh, that when he was going to fucking uh, play show, that he's like, I'm on my way, you ugly bastards. No, man. Yeah. No, he's been calling everyone a bastard. Just, he just decided to do that to me. So, he said, okay. Well, okay. That works. But yeah, he's uh, he's he's with Steve Schwarzer right now, isn't he? I was in his shop working. Damn. With three D printed Damascus, my friend. Damn. That is awesome. That's pushing the limits of technology. That is. It's incredible. a new step in the in knife making. Yes, it's a, it's a, yes. It's a new thing. 
what are they printed with? It's like a corn, yeah, a, a corn starch, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I heard something about that, and yeah. it's I, I'm I still don't entirely understand it to be honest. I I haven't really seen much about it. No one has. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's very cool. Man. It's very cool. Um, yeah. But yeah, dude, I made just the, the wall. I mean, you saw that that chest knife that you were talking about earlier. But that was that was the first time I uh, I forged sandmine by myself, bro. I was I was like victory. Made it by myself. Eh? A grounds place. Yeah, a grounds place. Yeah. So um, and then I made Damascus by myself that side. I made Damascus with Jack plenty times. Famous Damascus. Fucking mosaic Damascus, all that cut. But I mean, Jack's primarily doing the work because he knows what he's doing. Yeah. But um, yeah, man. Grant's hammer. Oh, it's a little German thing, eh? <coughs> Big pot. Dude, I don't know what it is. It's I can't really remember. It's like a forty kilo or something. Dude, that thing is a machine. It's lovely little. It's a beautiful little machine, and it's so controllable. Yeah. It's so controllable. You just like have your foot there, you pull your bullet out and you check it, and you go back in, and it's like <laughs> you can just adjust it, man. So good. So good. Yo, we don't grow up, our toys just get more expensive. Mm. Mm. And um, I, I was just saying to Kim earlier when we were in your garage, I just said to her, I wish I had two grams, man. I, I need another grinder, bro. Makes life easy. It does. Mm. It does. And I mean, Garth Fletcher was saying this to me. He's like, when knife making is your business, yeah. you need to have a backup. Like, you need to. It's not really yeah. a want. It's a need. It's. Yeah. It's a necessity. Because if that grinder fucks up, and I've had it happen to me already before, the bearings fucked up, and then I'm like, oh, my word, I haven't replaced them in time. I haven't got any bearings. What yeah. grinder do uh, I have a grinder from um, Garth Fletcher. Oh. <laughs> the little Trinity. Small one. Yeah. Uh, no, no. Yeah, it's got the pulley. It's got three speeds on it, but the other two speeds don't work anymore because, I don't know, something's either wrong with the motor or something's wrong with the machine. <laughs> so, but it's been working. It's been grafting hard for Four, three or four years now. Four years now. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a nice machine. It just needs to be maintained. Yeah. But I wet grind as well, and that also hammers the bearings. Yeah. Hammers the bearings. A lot of oxidation going on. Yeah. So um, I want to get better sealed bearings, and then that'll help with that a lot. Okay. Yeah. No, but it works. It never stops. The work never stops. Dude. Oh, dude, it never stops, man. It's awesome. It's good. Reorganizing your workshop and then feeling how it works better. That's that's the best. Or having a show in two days before the show when the machine is decided to design it. Oh, man. Then you just fix it and do the show anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Get it done, dude. Get it done. So, let's... Uh, I don't know if you're uh, wanting to get on the topic of ADHD. No, I don't mind it, man. You don't mind it. 
I find it fascinating. I'm having more and more people that I'm finding out are close friends of mine who've got ADHD. And I'm like surrounding myself with these people and I'm like, I actually get on with these guys. This is a nice group of people. Yeah, it's yeah. Inputs, man. Yeah. They're chilled people. Yeah. Most ADHD people are really chilled because yeah. you see life from a completely different perspective. Yeah. I've always been a kid to the side. Black sheep of the family. Naughty yeah. kid in class. Yeah. And it was just you 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 gotta look at the strong points. And that's what I've done with Kellen as well, man. Yeah. You gotta look at his strengths and work on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that kid blew your mind when he read that book today, man. That I could not believe the memory on that little dude. It was incredible. It was a coherent story, and I was following along, and I was like, "Is this dude like memorizing this stuff, or is he reading that book? What, what's going on, man?" And he memorized an entire book. Yeah, so the entire say forty-five page book. And he read it in another book, just so he could have pages as, to, as, to as turn. signals to turn his yeah. mind. Yeah, yes. It's incredible, a memory on that kid. So, yeah, man, and, and, and the thing is, is it irks me in a small way because in South Africa there's, there's zero, and I'm talking about pretty much close to zero, support for a, a, t- a child with autism. I mean, I've been at... In, in hospitals in the in the Haarfeld where a nurse walks in and says, oh, but he's not in there. And then he's having like a full-on autistic meltdown, yeah. like losing his mind, like crazy. Yeah. It's not in there. Yeah. Like even people work in hospitals don't know what's mm. going on. Yeah, the government hospitals in South Africa. No, that was a private are, hospital. That was a private hospital. That was hospital. a private hospital. Oof, you must go to the government No, government but there's there. two places you don't want to be in this country. Damn. Government hospital and a prison. Damn, dude. <laughs> I, I, I get my medication from the government hospital because it's tough expensive just to, to keep up with paying for the medication that I take. Yeah. I get it from the government hospital. Dude, dude when I go there, I am so bleak. <laughs> I am depressed. Feel, oh, dude, it's you the worst just experience. just make a day out of it, man. Line your pockets with some paper and put some peanuts in your pockets. Bro, I, I take flasks and sandwiches and everything. Out, bro. I just hang out there. <laughs> but I don't like it, bro. You see, like, kids at the epilepsy clinic, like, wearing crash helmets because they just face plant the floor, yeah. dude. It's rough to see, man. It's hardcore stuff, man. But mental disorders and illnesses are, are, are coming to the front. Mm. They're coming to people are starting to see them more. Yes. You still get your naysayers that, that believe that at a hundred million connections in your brain nothing can Nothing can fuck up. Yeah. Well, I can tell you as an epileptic <laughs> that is not true. It's not true. Your brain very much can fuck out and has. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah, and, and and I think it's also a, a lot of People just the, the saying of ignorance is bliss. Yes, yes. Because it's it's you've you've never been exposed to in your life, so you don't want to know about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Type of thing. So, but I I I find a lot of blessings in it. I've got to look at the strong parts. Yeah. Um. The the, the fact that I have ADHD and Kevin also has ADHD literally cements cements our bond to. I've never had a bond like that in my entire. You understand each other. Yeah. Yeah. You understand. 100%. 100%. 
It's beautiful. Uh, you've seen it. It's, yeah, I've seen it. It's, it's, it's a beautiful thing to watch. Extra special. It's really, really special, cool, man. man. So, so yeah. So and and it's a journey now. Thirty five years old and got diagnosed, man. My Jeez. entire life is just different. Yeah. I got I got diagnosed as a kid, but that was ninety one. So there was just the stigma to anything that was. Yes. No, no meds, no this, no that. You're you're a, you're a bright kid. You'll make it. Yeah, I was a bright kid, and I'm making. I'm I'm busy making it, but I hit thirty five years old, and I'm burnt out. Yeah. Just, yeah. My my function stopped. Yeah. And I had to go to the doc and say, look, I think the ADHD is just because with it came a lifetime of well, not a lifetime, but a long time of drug and alcohol abuse. Yeah. So that also plays a role in uh, a lot of concussions. Uh, playing rugby, getting into fights, stuff like that. And that also is directly related. And yeah, 35 years old, I went to a psychologist. Psychologist referred me to a psychiatrist. Um, put me on a on a certain methyl methylphenidate, a phosphorylethe methylphenidate tab, and it was it didn't work. And then I got my I got a different medication, and my life's just improved tenfold in two, two months. That's fantastic, absolutely fantastic. So, yeah. and it's and I I can understand like when you when you have things that work and you find that relief, it's like ah, there's a better way. There's a better way to do this. Yeah, um, man, and it's, but it's a, I believe also it's got to be an informed way. Yes. It's got to be a very Absolutely. informed way as well because, I mean, if you look at any ADHD medication, it's a Schedule 6. So you have to get a one-month prescription. You have to renew a prescription every month. Damn. You can't get a six-month prescription. Yeah. Because um, it's literally meth. Yeah. Yeah. Just formulated in a different way. But like, Isn't you know, it like one molecule short something or something like that. Away yeah. from one molecule, yeah. away from 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 crystal meth. From crystal meth, from meth methamphetamine. Yeah, methamphetamine. yeah. That's it's the same thing. family. It's just a different chemical structures. And yeah, but like you know, ADHD, so I forget forget to fetch my meds for like three days. So <laughs> yeah, I think it's all about choices again. Yeah, because I can choose to abuse it, and then it's gonna destroy my life. Yes, yes, yes. So. Well, it's um, it's like what we were talking about earlier. With no no growth happens without sacrifice. If you think about it, I don't think sacrifice as much, but more just. Uh, I think Warren Buffett said this: that you never, no growth happens inside your comfort zone. Never ever has ever yes. been growth in a comfort zone. But then you could argue that you're sacrificing the comfort for the growth. But if, if you're comfortable all the time, you're just going to want to be more comfortable. You stop reaching for things. Yeah, but then you stop growing. So I'd, I'd sacrifice comfort in a good way. But that's what I'm saying. It's about you okay. know, sacrifice, you know. So it, these things about like, okay, I want, I want to improve my body. I want to look better. I want to be healthier. All these things. Well, now you have to sacrifice your comfort zone to do the work so that you are physically fit and healthy and and it takes time and dedication and discipline. 
I I had that sort of mindset about things that you've got to keep on pushing and discipline. Yes, discipline is very important. Very important. Uh, priority is also very important. Sure. Um, but the the world has gone into this being the, the the biggest guy in the gym, being the fastest guy, mm. and 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 not to a point where it's competitive and you establish them. It becomes a, a pressure. Mm. So you people. I've checked people on diets and they put themselves under so much pressure on a diet that they fail the diet. Yeah, yeah. Because it's the best one and it has to be done exactly like this. Yes. Um, same with Jim. But I mean, that, that's made a lot of people reach for doing podcasts and stuff. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, doing motivational videos. I, I do definitely think that the most, one of the most important things is, is, is a peace inside yourself. Yes. So, if you see the gym and I'm just using that as an example, um, you go to the gym and you like you check the post of Ronnie Coleman on the wall, mm. and I want I want to be like Ronnie Coleman. That's my goal. Yeah. And you go, okay, cool. That's and this is what it takes, and you sacrifice everything that you currently have to get that. And you, it's it's about finding a balance and a peace inside yourself. Yeah. Like I go to gym. Because I walk in there, I don't have a conversation with anybody. I go to work and I rush blood into my muscles. I hurt myself as much as I can. I process my day's events. Yes. And when I walk out of there, I'm in a different mental state. Yeah. And for me, the bonus is having a, a strong physical body. Yes. Uh, your brain is much more important than just being a strong person. I I agree with that 100%. I I notice that when when I am working out regularly, I, I sleep better, I feel better, but I also notice the the difference in strength that I have. Yeah. Especially guys like us that work physically. Yeah. We're doing very physical things throughout the day. We're doing hard work, forging, and you're doing all sorts of crap all day. Shoveling stones. Shoveling stones, <laughs> picking up heavy shit. Like, knife makers in general do, like, lots of physical labor. And my nicotine, caffeine, and ibuprofen. Yes. There you go. Yeah, done. Done. Easy day. Easy day. Cup of coffee with some limes, man. Done. Happy days. It's good stuff. Um, But, yeah, it's when when you do these – what were we talking about? Um, Doing difficult things. Like, just, like working out the, the, the physical benefits of you just doing a couple push-ups every morning can make the world of difference. And the mental difference. And the mental difference. I mean, I, I used to go to oh, got a, a few, well, a year of training in jiu-jitsu. And when we were going to jits, when I was going to jits regularly, I would get in the car. And who I was driving with, after lying under a... 80 kilogram man being contorted into different directions that your body doesn't want to go. You get in the bucky and you drive 20 minutes and you have an endorphin dump. Yes. Where you literally get goosebumps and you're so happy and you want to talk and everything's perfect and it's great. And that's what exercise does. It's a literal chemical reaction in your brain that pumps out a bunch of chemicals and makes you happy. Yes, exactly. And, and, there's no substitute for that. There's no pull for that. Yeah. 
There's no pill you can take that can give you the same effects without having 65,000 side effects. Yes, yes, yes. So, I mean, I'm on my ADHD medication and it does have side effects. Yes. But the side effects are outweighed by the benefits by long. Yes. Otherwise, I wouldn't be on it. Yes. I'd be finding it. For sure. Around that. For sure. It's like me with the, with the epilepsy. It's like the side effects is that the medication makes me a bit slower than I'd be if I weren't on the medication. Yeah. But... The plus is that I don't, I get not to have epileptic seizures. Yeah, <laughs> like, what it's, you gonna do? <laughs> what you cool. gonna do? Um, uh, I wanted to say about that ice bath. Yeah. That's pretty much why I started because it brings you to the exact present moment. Yes. You're not worried about the past. Yes. You're not worried about the future. Yeah. Or, or regretting the past and worrying about the yes. future. None of that exists. You are just surviving in that ice bucket. And it brings you to a state where you can examine your entire life as it is. Not what it was or what it might be or your worries or what's happening next. And when you can examine your life, your life and accept it exactly for what it is, and when I'm talking about accepting, so accepting the things that are lacking so that you can make a plan to fix them. And... Um, accepting things that are awesome and saying, cool, that's great, that's part of my life. Because people have these, like, people have, been, have these weird ways of going like, I've earned this, but I don't want it, or I don't deserve it, or self-esteem things, and stuff like that. And if you can accept your life exactly how it is, because that's exactly how it is, then it makes sense. Yes, I understand what you're saying. You, you can't change, things you can change. I mean, I could tattoo them all after I came out of rehab was, uh, the serenity group. Yeah. And I don't say it because <clears throat> it's the right thing for an addict to say. Yeah. It's because I've taken it, dissected it, studied it, and, and applied it to my mind. And it's God grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change, the wisdom to change the things that I can, yes. and the courage to know the difference. Yes. Yeah. Because making that choice, a lot of the time you don't see further, so you've got to have the courage to make that choice. Yes. So, and, and another thing is, is once you've accepted your life as it is, it's yours, you don't have to do anything with anybody. Yeah. People don't understand it. People are, feel obligated to go and visit their toxic uncle that just destroys two weeks of their life every year somewhere on a family farm because they feel obligated to do that. Nobody should feel obligated to do that type of stuff. Mm. Because that stuff happens. People have insecurities, people have problems with each other, and then it becomes a, you walk into a negative state of affairs. Yeah. And you stay there until that state of affairs looks like it's going to climb on top of you. Yeah. I have just nullified anything like that in my life. Yeah. And I'm really not worried about what people think. Oh, what do I think? Okay, it's five, ten most dangerous words in the English language. What will people do and what will people think? Yeah. I, I agree with that. I agree with that. It's uh, it, you make your own life harder when you give too much of a fuck about what other people think, and uh, and it's so unnecessary because people are gonna make their own predictions on you whether you like it or not. They they're gonna really come up with their own concepts of who you are as a person and what you're all about. So it doesn't matter. 
doesn't matter. Like just don't be a, just don't be a cunt. That's that's all it is at the end of the day. But you don't have to keep people in your life out of some misplaced sense of duty or whatever it may be. You don't have to do that. Some people don't understand that, man. It's but it is what it is. It is what it is, and um, there will always be a group of people feeling obligated to do some thing that they don't have to do. You know, people people don't have to go and look at it. Haters going to hate. Haters are going to hate. And potatoes going to potate, man. That sounds logical. <laughs> dead jokes, man. It's a dead, dead jokes. jokes. Dead jokes. <laughs> tell you what, they get me every time. Um... But yeah, it's it's nice to see the new shop from yeah, cool, from the last time I saw the shop over the phone. Yeah. Um, I didn't get to put it's my handprint on your shop in two wall. years, man. I'm tired of moving. I want to put my handprints on your wall tomorrow. There's no handprints on the walls anymore. Well, I, I'm going to be first. Go for it. Sure. The bridge will say, get some oil. There we go. Go for it, man. I will. Thank Sweet. you. I'll sign it for you too. Homeless, It'll be worth something in a couple of decades. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not much, but something. <laughs> That's a spirit, man. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that forging. So it's, we, we didn't get to do any forging today because we had to put that gravel down. But now that we put that gravel down in the smithy, we can get going. Okay. And we are going to forge a herb chopper tomorrow. Yes. It's one of the things yes, we're going to do. Yes, you are. Old, uh, what's his name? Um, Donovan. Uh, Donovan, yes. Taught me so, how to um, make that. When you told me that, I just the first thing I thought was like, I've never learned that skill. It's 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 a it's a easy little thing to make, man. It's cool, man. It's really cool. And uh, I've got some interesting ideas for other twists to do, like... You do a left-hand twist and then you cool it down and do a right-hand twist in the opposite direction. The thing is, 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 it is carbon steel. So you're cooling it down and that's the thing is you can do it with mild steel. No, no, I mean cool it down in the area that you want that little, as it's going from a right-hand twist, it'll go like this and then you heat the other area up that you want to twist and then you twist that in the opposite direction. Accurately, you're gonna heat up a little area in that big form. That's called the blood torch. Hey? Don't mind one. Ah, okay. I don't have a acetylene torch. All sure. right. It's on the bucket list. Yeah, I haven't got one either, but mm-hmm. um, I want to get one. But I didn't do a reverse twist and then reverse it back in the opposite direction. I just did a full-on yeah twist because that's what I can do at the moment. But I need to give myself a um. A little uh, blowtorch. But that bridge port that you've got in that thing, yeah. in, in, your, in your workshop there, that's a, that's a nice machine, man. That's not a nice machine. That is a piece of history, man. I love that machine. It's awesome. It is a beautiful machine. I, I, uh, I'd love to see it operating at some point. It's a beautiful machine. You're uh, very privileged to have it. You bought it. You bought it with your own money. I bought it with my own money, man. Like a real big man. 
Like, uh, like a grown-up. Like a grown-up. Yeah, bro. Yeah? Yeah, well, that was the boy who never grew up, so... Uh, yeah. I know. Just struggling with growing up. Yeah. I grew up, man. Hey, you got it. You got Not it. Not all the way. Yeah. <laughs> well, just in all the right ways. Yeah, man. The ways that matter. It's, um... I don't know, dude. It's an exciting business to be a part of. There's so much knife culture going on these days. I don't know if that's um, a thing, knife culture. That's not a thing. But, like, you know if what I'm trying to say. If I get this code wrong, shit myself. But I can swear it's from Buster Wierenski. Okay. And he said we are living in the most exciting time in knife making. New materials, new ways, new technologies. And people are just getting better and better and better at it. Yeah, yeah. And today's pieces will be in museums 300 years from now. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a beautiful thought. It's a beautiful thought. Um, and that's that's something to think of. You, you know, if you want your piece to be in a museum piece, think about that when you're making your knives. Yeah. Think about that. Yeah. If I were to have 100,000 people or however many people is, who are going to see it throughout its lifetime, I want them to be proud of that's what humanity the, has achieved. Yeah, but that's back to the basics of what I said. Once you've made a knife, it's out there forever. Mm. So 300 years from now. 300 years from now, you want people to be saying, this motherfucker knew what he was doing. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So, like I said, push today. Um, I think that King Tut dagger of Buster Orensky was like $2.1 million on auction. Whoa! That entire knife was gold. He made a gold alloy with added away for the for the blade and got it specifically treated. It took him 15 years to make that knife. 15 years. Have you never seen King Tut's dagger that Buster Orensky made? No, I saw it, but... 15 years. Whoa, that is dedication, man. Stupid amounts of diamonds. It was the exact replica of the one they found in the in King Tut's tomb. That that was made out of meteorite, wasn't it? No gold. There was there was a dagger found in King Tut's tomb that was um, Tutankhamun, right? Yeah. Um. And it was made out of meteorite. Google, man. Hey, where's your, this? Where's my Jamie? Yo, where's your Jamie? No, I don't have a Jamie right now. Well, I don't have a, but I'm telling you, I looked this up in front of Stuart Smith and Jack because they didn't believe me. And I said, no, because they knew about the dagger, but they said, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. And I pulled it up and it was meteorite. Maybe it was a different dagger. Maybe it was a different dagger. No. Maybe they found more than one. I'm not sure. But, um, but 15 years to make a knife. Holy yeah, shit. Man. That's crazy. Let me see the stuff his daughter makes. Also something amazing. Julia Wierenski. Dude, I saw, I don't know if it was her, but it sounds familiar. But I saw a chick forge a while ago. And man, this chick just knew what the fuck she was doing, man. She was swinging that hammer, using that rebound, yeah. just just forging beautifully. Oh, that one lady on Forging Fire, she was a fairy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, she yeah. also knew how to swing. She knew how to swing. She had a pair of guns. Yeah, 
No, it was impressive, respect, man. Yeah. Ah, respect, much respect. That it's beautiful when you get to see people using their body, especially in something like forging. Yeah. I always find it interesting looking at different guys and how they forge. I look at Tim and I look at Jack and I look at Grant and I look at Gareth and uh, – not Gareth, Donovan. And I look at you, Forge, tomorrow. And you get to see how everybody moves. And yeah. and, and it's there's a – no matter their style, there's a fluidity to it. Yes. You know, when they know what they're doing. Yeah. When, when you don't know what you're doing, you're forging, oh, it's awkward, man. It's an ugly-looking process. I am so much fun, dude. There's nothing in my life that has been more therapeutic to me yeah. than hitting hot steel. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, nothing else in my life is that therapeutic. It's such a strong thing to say. Like, somebody eyes, oh, I'm a lawyer. And you're like, okay, cool. And he's like, what do you do? And you're like, I'm a knife maker. Yeah. I'm a fucking no. bladesmith, there bro. Go. I'm a fucking bladesmith. Bladesmith. I beat steel into and shape you, and I will form you too if you give me any cut guys <laughs> if you're in a really lonely place ask me what do you do I'm cutting cutting yeah that is like a, a lonely word for sure the cutler cutler yeah wow hmm interesting I've never heard that being said a cutler where does that come from Cutlery. Yes, cutlery, but where does... Where does must be an English. Must be an English thing, yeah. Right. Oh, United Cutlery is an English thing. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. And to think the, the lion knife was uh, Sheffield, also English knife. Yeah. yeah. yeah Joseph my, Rogers. My, my father-in-law's brother, he's a he's a free spirit, man. That, if he lived in America, he'd be a cowboy on the Route 66. <laughs> And he comes to me with this panga, old thing, man. Pulls it out of that sheath. That sheath's old and moldy and still together, still yeah. holding. But you can tell that thing's been through the. Pulls out Sheffield, a Sheffield panga, but the woods are rotten to snot, man. So I put new handles on. So I put some denim marcato handles on for him. Cleaned all the rust off the blade. Sharpened it to shaving. And that was my Christmas present too, because he gave me an entire gym. That's one thing that I enjoy about knife making. It makes it very easy to barter. Yes. I enjoy that. Yes. About being a, a bladesmith. I bartered sharpening a blade for uh, for like three blunts. Uh, no, three joints, sorry. Like I was like, uh, I don't have any money to pay for the sharpening of my knife, but I, I've got some weed here. I'm like, he's like, one one joint. I'm like, how about three and I'll sharpen with you. I bought the cannabis for brand new wheel nuts. What? Really? Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking aces, man. But this is the thing. It makes you feel valuable as a part of the community, man. You're serving a purpose. What? You're not just, you're not just part of a uncaring machine in a corporate environment that just demands productivity and money. Like, my, my child's school is 500 meters up the road. My wife's work is 600 meters the other way. Yeah. And my work's right in the middle. Yeah. And that's the way you should live in New South Africa. Man. Yes. Because petrol's not a problem for me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and petrol is dear. No, it's kinky expensive, <laughs> bro. Can't believe it. Can't believe it's it. It's cheaper if you're in a cause of milk. Yeah, for sure.
or coke. Look, it's crazy, dude. It's crazy times. But they, they, they're going to have to do something about how the world's working. and Something's going to change. Oh, it was just for history to just repeat itself. Oh, man, I hope not, dude. Just implode until the point where we start again. And if it does, I hope we go back to hunter-gatherers because I could live in that shit, dude. Yeah. yeah, you'd be the king. Yeah, no, I'd be a king, bro. I'll be a security. Yeah, sure. Cool. You just make sure that we're eating yeah. and we've got a little place to stay and I'll just make yeah. sure the security. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm the best fucking hunter, but I can fucking survive, bro. I'm fucking stay out there in the bush, bro. How long did you stay in the bush? Oh, man. Uh, eight months. But I did uh, five weeks, two, two sets of five weeks out in uh, a reserve called Amakalo. We were doing anti-poaching exercises out that side. You no, you a lot in that time, man. Yeah, bro. That's, that's pure survival because it sucks out there. When it sucks, if, you, if you're getting cold at home, it sucks. But when you're out there, it, it sucks more. It's really it, when you're running in the bush all day and you're doing tracking exercises, you're doing uh, uh, apprehending poaching poachers, you're doing those exercises, you're doing shooting exercises, you're doing all these things. You got a two-hour lecture in the morning after PT that starts at five o'clock. You got drills that happen at random times, like two in the morning, working up to shotgun shells, and you get moving, bro. Mm. Got to go. There's no time to fuck around, bro. No time for a morning cigarette, fuck all, bro. Like nothing. <laughs> you have to move. And dude, it was brutal, but I made it through. No, you, you, I made it through. You'll survive, dude. And it's a, that's a feather I put in my cap, man. There's not a lot of things I can say I'm tough with, but I did that. Yeah, man. I did that. And it was rough. There were some guys that didn't make it, bro. So, it some of the guys didn't make it. It's for a good cause, as well, man. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. Protecting the African wildlife is important, man. Conservation. Conservation is very important. I'm going to need some of that water too, bro. Getting the jerkies up. Oh, dude, you legend. Are you going to go and get some more water? <laughs> oh, man. But I think the... Uh, I think the podcasts are really like... It's, it's something I really enjoy doing. Is like talking to more people about the, you know, what it is that they find interesting, whether it be ideas that they have or businesses hey, that they've started. Or, Sorry to interrupt you. Do you want yeah. some salad? <laughs> Do I want some salad? No, thank you. No, thank you. I heard anyway, my fall. It's a joke. It's a joke. Um, <laughs> that's not code for anything else, though. It literally is salad. Um, <clears throat> a lot. It's crazy. I'm just going to have a sip of water real quick. The jerkies. The jerkies. Good job. So, um, but it's something I enjoy doing. I enjoy talking to, you know, I'm going to be having Ryan Gill uh, very soon on the podcast. And that man can hunt primitively. For mm-hmm. sure, he can. He's hunted bison with a an antelope, uh, with a, a antelope, an atlatl. What is an atlatl? 
An atlatl is a weapon that predates the bow. Okay. And uh, they use they use a almost looks like a a long piece of wood. Well, it really is a long piece of wood. It's about say like from the palm of your hand to your elbow. It's about that long, approximately. And it has a little spur in the back, and then you have a long what they call a dart. It looks like a spear, but it's a dart. And they put it in the spur, and they launch it from back there, and this thing moves through. And because it weighs like the dart weighs about 600 grams, sometimes I think they can go as high as 800 grams. Um, and he puts uh, stone arrows at point, uh, uh, stone atlatl points that he's napped himself on these things, and he takes down bison with it. Jeez, and he takes down bush pig and all sorts of animals. He does primitive hunting, makes his own bows. He's got a whole business surrounding this stuff. That's pretty cool. Man. Very knowledgeable guy. He's just released a book. Really, really interesting guy. And um, going to be having him on very soon. That's cool. Very exciting. But I love awesome. talking to dudes like that. This, yeah. I find them fascinating, man. Just people who are into shit. I don't care yeah. what it is, man. <laughs> yeah. Just if you if you into something, I don't give a fuck what it is. Tell me about it. Yeah. I want to know. Yeah. That's cool. I agree, man. I'm a geek for some shit, bro. I really, I I get horny for certain topics, man. I like talking about the universe and uh, like drugs. As well. <laughs> I like talking about that too. But, like, ancient civilizations is another one that fascinates the shit out of me. And I don't know if it's just stoner shit. It's like when you're stoned, you really like watching those sort of documentaries and, and reading up about ancient Assyria and the gods and the Anunnaki, and you're like, whoa, you know? I don't know if it's just stoner shit, but, like, I find that fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Can't get enough of it. Ancient civilizations, ancient Egyptians. Okay. Loved. Always loved it. Yeah, I'm, I'm into two, three things in my life at the moment. Like yeah. Hardcore. It's family. Sure. Knife making. Mm-hmm. And the pursuit of growing the most amazing bud anybody has ever smoked. Okay. Once but that's just a it's, it's a it's a side hobby project thing that just keeps me entertained on the other side. Yes, yes, man. I mean, you talk, you, you look at my plants. Look at that purple plant, that, bro. Have I, you ever seen purple pistols in your life, bro? When you showed me that plant, I was <laughs> like, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. They were so beautiful. Yeah, it's so purple. That's, that's one thing that draws me to. It's the it's the main thing that has, has drawn me to a cannabis plant is the different phenotypes from the different strains. Yeah. And it can make, I mean, I bought two seeds from Dutch Passion. Yeah. Three seeds I like, sorry. And they were all feminized and I grew them over a summer period. So it wasn't an auto flower. So it was, I grew them for like five months. It was two Devon poison plants. And these two plants were from the same batch, and all that, the only difference was they had a different amount of shade every day. Okay. 
And the one plant smelled like gas. It had this pungent smell that would hit you in the back of the nose. And the other plant smelled like fruit. And I'm talking about like a fruit cocktail, Mediterranean fruit tree drink that you open to buy at the garages. Crazy. And that's phenotypes. Yeah. Because it mixes and, but I mean, like, like Durban Poison is a land race. So when they found Durban Poison, nobody with cannabis had ever been there. They found that at the spot when the place was colonized. Ah. Yeah. And you get like Swazi Gold that was found in Swaziland. Wow. And that's called the land race. And it goes back up all the way to, I reckon the first plant was ever found was in Asia in Afghanistan. That's where the mother mother plant came from. And as humans and animals moved, this plant moved and changed with the environment to give different phenotypes and different mixes. And I mean, I, Explain I think, phenotypes for people so who don't understand what that is. Different smells, different looks of leaves, um, different trichome contents. What is uh, that? So your trichomes are the little mushroom. It's like a little clear mushroom bag on top of the, 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 the frost. Yes. If you look at it through a yes. um, magnifier, yeah. it looks like a little mushroom it's in a bag and it's a liquid. And that's, that is where your, your cannabinoid THC is found. Ah. Just in there. So even that differs. That, that's why you get an indica. So they reckon it's, it's the mother plant and then there was an indica and sativa. Yeah. And then there was an indica, indica and a sativa, sativa. And those ones went and mixed, and you don't find, up to the Indica, Indica, Sativa, Sativa, you don't find those anymore. Oaks have got them in vaults locked away very far. Wow. Yeah. You know, like in cryo chambers and stuff like that. Because that's, that's the superior. And the, the genetic there is so superior. And you can't, if you clone a plant, if you clone a, if you, you've got a mother tree, you make clones out of it. Yeah. If you try and clone that clone, the, the, the plant loses potency completely. For real? Yeah. What? Yeah, man. So it's, it's an extremely interesting thing. Damn. I could get into that, bro. Yeah. It really is. If you if you start doing a lot of research reading, I mean, I, Oaks are like, I read research, and I'm like, dude, I watch YouTube a lot. I enjoy YouTube yeah. because you can get a wide variety of opinions. Yes. And you can make sense for yourself. Yes, yes. Reading too, but yes. it's, it's a tough thing. It's a tough thing to read, <laughs> you I suppose. Four pages and you go back, like, what did I just read? Okay, cool. Yeah. Australia, it happens yeah. a lot. Yeah. So, coming to terms with that, so YouTube. Yeah. Adapt and overcome. Yeah, adapt and overcome. <laughs> I'm a visual audio person as well. I learn shit better that way. But I force myself to read because it gets me in that place where I have some peace. And some time to read something beneficial for myself. It's, uh, you know, I'm reading that subtle art of not giving a fuck. Man. Yeah. Man, it's beneficial, dude. It's beneficial. It sounds like a, like a book that is like a, a negative thing because of, because of its name. Yeah. But, dude, it's a great book. Mark Manson, a good writer, man. No man, like the the, the 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 bottom line of that of that book, the point of that book is to release stress. Yes. De stress, man. Yeah. And, and Oaks don't understand that stress is one of the biggest killers in the whole world. It is for sure. Once man. Stress can take you out now. Like, yeah. Nerves yeah. gone. 
have to keep I have to keep doing things like that ice but I want to get myself that bun now and I want to I want to do that more often I think that would be that beneficial changes for me. Your life, man. I think I should do that twice a week keep me humble keep me calm you know and I'm sure it, 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 it's, it's got a bigger effect on my brain than it does on my body mm. I, I believe in that shit, bro. I think it was, uh, you know, I always value having a tough mindset. Like if you need to do something that is most unpleasant, knowing that you can do it, if you can just push your mind past like, okay, we, we're doing this. This is not, yeah. not a question. If it's unpleasant, it's worth it. It's unpleasant, it's worth it. And... um I found myself getting distracted sometimes while I was in there because of this immense discomfort of being immensely cold. And then I, I felt like I had another layer under my skin that was warmer and I had to focus on that layer. Yep. And I focused and I, and then I would stop shivering and I'd, and I'd breathe and I'd breathe and I'd breathe. And then it would come back and hit me hard again and I'd start <laughs> shivering my balls off, bro. Yeah, fills, dude. And 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 if you lose focus in that moment, you just you just lose control. And then you, you shake so uncontrollably that your body goes into absolute panic. Yeah. And uh, so you have to really concentrate. That was the longest ten minutes of my fucking life. Dude, I'm in constipation for half an hour, and that was long. But Jesus, you do that five times, and you start looking forward to it. Yeah, I've done it once before. I've done it once before at home, but uh, man, I did it in the winter. Yeah, and what you know that this actually came about? I'll tell you an awesome um, story that happened with myself and Kelly. And uh, so we were living at the lodge last year, and uh, middle of winter, end of July, Kevin choose me swim. Mm. She said, no, I'm not swimming. Swim? She said, you can go swim, boy. I'll never stop that kid from swimming. If he wants to swim, it's one of his favorite things. He's so beautiful. That kid got in that ice cold water. Yeah. And when he got in, I said to him, I made a deal with him, I said to him, if you get in, I'll get in. And like, you know, and and for the next two months, we had ice cold water every morning. Meaning we go for soup. Well, and that's where it started. Well. Because I started like it's horrible. Then after the third, fourth time I got in the pool, I was like, sweet, this is like yeah, we go through this thing. And Last year was a high stress year for me. I was, things weren't going the way I wanted. It was, it was like a desert. We were in a battle for a bit. But it's yeah. cool. We threw it. Um, and I just felt every time I got into this water, it's a calm one. A calm one. Mm. My body hurt less. Yeah. And just I haven't stopped it since. That's amazing. It's awesome. Man. I felt great afterwards. I felt great afterwards. I felt... I had a little bit, I, I, I was feeling very tired before we did the podcast. And then you said to me, come, you want to take me outside the comfort zone of you know, doing the podcast for the first time? Are you going to do this? Yeah, well, that's right. And uh, so we went out there and I was feeling really tired before. Went out there, got in that bucket and wakes you the fuck up. 
It's a reality call. <laughs> Jeepers, man. And, uh, and afterwards, I felt great, man. I felt good about myself. I felt like lighter as well. Mm. Felt lighter. Mm. It's great. So, because I, I, I was watching a, there was a documentary on Netflix about octopus teacher. Yeah. And this guy literally made friends with the octopus and go down kelp forests. And he used to go down and snorkel with his octopus. Yeah. He used to go, he, I think he went there for 81 days. And the octopus's life is also swimming for 81, 91 days. And he said, getting in that cold water every day just gets better and better and better. Cape's water is cold, man. <laughs> Damn. I mean, we went in December and we went to Fisher yeah. with Alan Mitchell. And we climbed to that water, man. He, he says, you're going to go for a swim in Fisher. I said, yeah, that was like a Fisher. It's, it's, it's warm there. It's the warmer side. So that, okay, get to the beach. I got my board shorts. Hey, I'll put a wetsuit on. I was like, what's that all about, bud? He <laughs> told me we need a wetsuit for this water. But it was cool. I was already, like... Acclimatized because I was swimming in the pool in winter. So, so that water is cold, crazy. man. It's it's crazy cold. I've been in that water and it's it, it takes your breath away, man. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. I don't know. This the sea uh, the sea makes me feel strange, dude. The ocean's an amazing thing. It is. But you've got to have so much respect for the ocean. Ooh, dude. So no doubt, no doubt. Um, you've. I've been caught in some tumblers, but in fact, you know, dude, you think you're never going to get out of there. <laughs> you're just like being yeah. tossed around like a little wet, sloshed up sock in this whirlwind of overwhelming power. What's in the sandpaper? Damn, dude. <laughs> you just get plunged into the fucking ground and then you're swirling again. Or when the wave does that and it hits you in the chest. Oh. That happened to me once, I learned my lesson. So I say with my boys, people are like, don't touch the electric fence. I said, he's only going to touch it once. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong in getting hurt once. Because that's how little boys learn. You tell, yeah. that, you, you tell a little boy five times, don't touch it, you'll touch yeah. it. Yeah, you'll touch it. So you learn. Yeah, that's <laughs> it, bro. That's it. But um, this, what were you talking about before that? Cold water. Cold water, Yeah. I think it's beneficial to do things like that. Mm-hmm. Make your own bullshit. Chasing other people's bullshit will kill you, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do things that serve you. Don't don't And serve others that you and, love. And serve others that you love. Yeah. For sure. Because the thing is if you do things that serve you, you are more able to help and serve others. Hundred percent. Because mm-hmm. if you're not happy Nobody else is happy around you. Yeah. That's true. Because we, as humans, we project our nonsense of the, because we want to give other people our monkey. Yes. And other people are always like, can I help you with your monkey? Yes. And then that's... Or they want to give you this. Uh, it's not my monkey. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's it. That's it. Not my circus, not my monkeys. Monks, man. I don't know. Life can get strange when you've got those people in your life who are always like negative about these their circumstances and what's going on with them and you like you you want to listen to them but you're like you're not really doing anything that is going to change that like you're not trying <clears throat> to get out of this man you'd never know like 
to be honest, like, like, to be honest, but with my addiction, I also went to low places, man. Yeah. Very bad. I was addicted to it all the time. Yeah. And, um, even now and then when you're at that low place, yeah, someone will say something good to you, but without pushing you. Yeah. Because, or condescending you. They'll say something and it will just click. And it's that choice, man. It's a choice you got to make. I mean, I was two steps away from a pavement holding out my hand for fucking change. And I stood on that pavement and I said, if I, I, I sat there and I said, if I step off this pavement now, I will not, uh, there's no turning back. You've literally gone and made it okay to stand in. Yeah. Like, I, if I, I feel very sorry for the people that are taking hardships on the streets, man. I, I've got no choice. I, I can't, you can't give everyone. But if there's a disabled person, I'll give them. Yeah. But a 20-year-old lati who's just looking for a fix or he's got a good working body standing there in his last clothes asking for money. Yeah. I wouldn't give that a consent on principle. Yeah. Like a car guard on principle. Because you've got to be – you can't – imagine every time you drive around a job with me, you've got to go to – Six shops and you've got to pay every single car guard. No. What a chance, man. You can't, man. So I've got rules for car guards, really. If he's not there when I pull in, and he's not there for, to help me out, I don't pay him. Yeah, no, sure. That's a rule. That's, that's it, <laughs> Straight. Straight. No, dude, it's, you know, I understand people have, who've got hardships in their life and some of them are genuinely trying to fix it and I don't mind helping people where I can I'm no I'm no success story you know but yeah. I don't mind helping people where I can and if they're asking for whatever they're asking for I, I'll give it to them if I can but at, at the same time you know you get so caught up in worrying about other people's shit it's got fuck all to do with you. It's not going to really help you too much. But you get so caught up in everybody else's shit that you forget about your own shit. And then your life starts falling apart. And then you can't mm-hmm. be that guy anymore because now you're resentful toward those people. You know? And um, and it's tough to keep things in their place. But you got to do it. It's the only way forward. I was telling you those uh, <coughs> autism stories this morning about the sleep and the diet. And, and what we're talking about here, those were the days that made me realize that stuff. Mm. Because that pushes you to a limit. Like, as a human being, man, yeah. like, yeah, I've never been that tired in my life. Six months of no sleeping. Damn. Stuff like that. But when you come out the other side, I mean, it's like going into the oil and coming out of the oil. Yeah. Hard, man. There you go. Put in a temper. Tough. Yes. That's all it is. Yeah. A boy named Sue, man. A boy named Sue. Boy named Sue, apparently. So, can I, can I play boy named Sue? No, no, no. Not quite yet. <laughs> not quite yet. We're going to get struck for copyright here. But, um, dude, I'm seriously looking forward to tomorrow. Forging those little things up. Get yeah, it done. Have some fun. It'll be great. Well, dude, we are going to be doing this again tomorrow evening with Tim Brown. Okay. So I hope you're ready for that gig. I'm going to have to be. It'll probably be another 
short one. Well, this one wasn't too short. This is an hour, 30 minutes from what I can see. But, dude, it's been good having you on the show. And we're awesome. going to put some uh, advertisers out there for the for the podcast. And then where can people find you on social media? Okay, so on Instagram, it's the real Gareth Lloyd. Okay. And on Facebook, it's Gareth Lloyd Wilkinson. Okay. Yeah. And on TikTok, uh, TikTok, TikTok too now. TikTok too. It's Redemption Forge. Redemption Forge. 413. Okay. Redemption Forge 413 on TikTok. Yeah. Um, it's been a great podcast, brother. Thanks for thanks for hopping on, man. Cool, man. It's been good. It's been a good experience. It's been good. Not that I'm going anywhere, but thanks, guys, for watching, for listening. Awesome. And uh, that's that was our interview with Gareth Wilkinson. So thanks a lot, guys. See you again next episode. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Open Hearth Cast. Find us on Instagram at Open Hearth Cast, and we'll see you again real soon.